Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. And, and, and it'll have to obey you. 
because you are the authority over your body. He gave you authority for him to use your authority. He gave you to bring your spirit, soul, and heart, mind, body subject to the kingdom as he speaks in quietness. So he spoke to God. He said, God, uh, they have taken your tithe. Your tithe belongs to you. And he began to speak and decree and declare, paraphrasing it, uh, uh, that's not going to happen. Call them back. To make a long story short, they're going to put the money they took out back. <laughs> Are y'all here in the spirit of God? Now, let's look at it from the perspective of what God was sharing with us on yesterday. Now, the first thing I shared with him, I said, you need to go back, go to the uh, archives and listen to the word of the Lord on yesterday. I began to talk to him about suffering, the difference between children and sons. Now, because he had the right attitude, they were stealing from God. Those tithe belongs to God. So the IRS was taking God's money. So he began to speak the creed that will not happen. The father will get what belongs to him. Call them back up to make a long story short once again. They're going to put their money back in the account, which they illegally took out of their account. Now, what did I share with him? I said, what God did, he taught you strategy. See, a lot of times we want to do warfare without uh, 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 the experience of warfare. What I mean by that, we want to do warfare without entering into a battle. We want to do warfare without an opponent challenging us. This is how it works, ladies and gentlemen. You become skillful by doing. You don't become skillful by reading. You become skillful by doing. Great players today uh, uh, and all throughout history that's basketball, football, track, whatever. You don't want a track meet by watching film. You don't want a basketball meet, a, a basketball game, just by watching film. You don't want to. You don't uh, win a football game just by watching film. You win by doing, getting out there and practicing, getting out there running, getting out there catching, getting out there shooting. You become good. You become skillful in a game, in practice. That's how you become. So it's been. So I said, God gave you a strategy. You executed the strategy, and it released God to be able to do something. So many times when hell breaks loose against you, he's trying to teach you strategy. I began to share with him when Kathy and I first got married, uh, when... Um, the Spirit of God spoke to me and told me, do not go back on the road. I was an evangelist at that time, and I was uh, my ministry was a traveling, I was a traveling preacher. And after Kathy and I came back off our honeymoon, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, do not go back on the road. And for eight months, I didn't make a move. I ministered a little bit here, a little bit there in the city. But it wasn't nothing major. And But during that particular time, God was teaching me strategy, but I didn't know it, preparing me to pastor the church. I had no idea that's what it was because I really never had a desire to pastor. And I knew I was going to pastor one day because he spoke that to me years before I got married. Uh, but I had no clue, ideal, that it was going to be sooner uh, uh, than later. But he was teaching me strategy. He was teaching me how uh, to uh, uh, manage money uh, with the household. Uh, he taught, uh, was shared with me. Uh, when we didn't have enough money, I called the creditors. I I, I, I prayed over the finances because uh, we, we didn't have nothing. We always paid our tithes. We only get an offering. could be a quarter. It could be a uh, – if we did a dollar, a dollar was like $100. That's just how tight things was for us. But the key was he was teaching me how to budget, how to manage. That's more the word, to manage the household, and and calling people up. Could you uh, receive uh, the payment next week? 
could you give me another week before we pay this? I'm jug- uh, juggling money around. I was meeting with my oldest daughter. I had her to uh, put together uh, uh, not so much a budget, um, but I wanted to see how she was spending her money. Uh, so she, me and her met last night after the broadcast, and she was showing me uh, her check. She showed me her expenditures. And uh, as I looked at the expenditures, and I began to share some principles with her, principles of, uh, of uh, uh, goal setting. Uh, I said, if you have no goal, then life will control you. You have to be disciplined. You have to have goals to set up to save money. I began to share with her how I was was as a young man uh, when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, see, we was raised up different than my kids were raised up. We didn't have anything. So the, uh, when they had summer jobs, man, that was like heaven on earth for the kids I grew up with uh, because we can we can buy our own clothes. We can. Uh, help out. Uh, I used to give my uh, my mother. All of us gave her something when we got paid. That was so natural for us. They didn't say, "Give me some money." It was natural for us. And uh, but I began to share with her uh, about being disciplined. If you know, if you're trying to accomplish something, you're setting a goal. See, all this I'm talking about is strategy, ladies and gentlemen. And we're gonna get to Romans eight here, but you need to listen to the Spirit of God. Strategy. I said, when you set a goal, you live by that goal. You live by those standards. That means if I say I'm going to save up a uh, hundred dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, or uh, fifty dollars a week, uh, uh, every two weeks, or whatever you decide, you you live by the strength and the power of that. You don't violate that. I don't care if somebody said, let's go out to lunch, but you know you have already budgeted. You already know. By the end of this uh, this paycheck, what I got to say, you don't have the money. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go uh, this time, but y'all go ahead. I'm living, I'm disciplined, I'm dedicated, and I'm committed to the standard that I have set, or the commitment that I made to God and myself that I'm going to save X amount of dollars a week. So, I went over some things, looked at some things. I saw some things that was unnecessary. I said, we spend money because we have no goals. So money governs you. But when you have goals, goals govern you if if you're committed to the goal, if you're disciplined to the goal. So next thing you know, you don't know where your money is. Why did did I? I just saw some stuff that was unnecessary. So I told her, I said, go back, if you will, Go back over this and show me, based on what I just shared with you, what you can do different. And as she went back over it, she showed me, wrote it down, where she could have saved, matter of fact, I have a paper right here. She could have saved $162.24 from $79.24. Are you seeing this? After she listened to what I said, about discipline, about commitment to a goal. Let your life, I said, and goals is the same thing as faith. You're reaching for something. If a person have no goals, they are lying to themselves. They say they have faith. You don't have any faith at all because you're not reaching for something. You're not believing for something. So it's about believing. So it's it's $83 that she could have saved if she had a set a goal and was disciplined. She went back over everything she spent. She cut out some stuff that she could have uh, 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 did without, like eating out here and eating out here and eating out here. And by buying, uh, fixing your lunch, taking your lunch with you. And share with remember with some of the things we were sharing about living in your zone, living in your realm. Living where God have you. Do not go beyond where God have you. So I was sharing these things with strategy, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I didn't have a father a mother to teach me these things. Uh, uh, they probably could have, but I never got it. And, it's, and no, and nobody has taught me 
It was the spirit of the living God that educated me. When I said nobody, I meant human being. Nobody sat down, ever sat down with me to think this way. This is the grace of God, only the grace of God that uh, began to cause me to think this way. So I was sharing this with my daughter. What am I doing? Teaching her strategy. It's a form of strategy. I said, if you live like this right here, this is how God can trust you. When you make a commitment, this is what I'm going to do on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis or a monthly basis, my goal is to save uh, uh, $200 a month or $100 a month. I said, you stick to that. When you learn how to be disciplined in that, then God can, but seem like this is turning out to a budget thing here, and that's not my goal to talk about <laughs> budgeting today, but uh uh, but share some strategy with her, then God see that you're a person that is committed, a person that is dedicated, a person that he can trust because you did not violate your word. You said you was going to do this. And I said, now, watch this right here. Now, if something happened that you had to touch that money that you said you're going to uh, uh, save, then you know what you got to do the next paycheck or before the money's up. Now I got to get that money back some kind of way that I spent, that I made a commitment to God that I was going to save. And the commitment myself, I'm going to say, I said, this is how you live. I shared with her when uh, 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 the Lord dealt with me about uh, us buying the house. We was living in the Bajas at the time, which I didn't know uh, what the Bajas was. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Uh, I said, do you want a house? My wife told me yes. I said, then, if you want a house, I shared this with my prince and my daughter last night, you got to be willing to sacrifice your present for your future. The problem with people today, they want everything now. And they don't want to sacrifice. Nothing happens without sacrifice. You can never advance without a level of measure sacrifice. you got to sacrifice something. Share with a young man a business uh, partner today on the phone, and he said God would be encouraged him from a stranger, uh, begin to say, young man, you you got uh, a greatness in you. God is waiting on you to make a commitment to him. The young man loved the Lord. And as he was talking, I said, let me share this with you. And this is the word of the Lord for you. I said, you're a, you, you're a man that have a love for God. I said, you, there's no commitment. I said, you get up, wake up. You may say a little quick prayer here. I said, well, where's your commitment? I said, you get up and go straight to business meetings, running, and don't get back home till late at night. I said, here's commitment. I said, God's waiting on you to make a sacrifice. If it take, if it's six o'clock in the morning, I said, then you get up at six. Said, God, I'm giving you this time from six. I said, if it's a half hour, hour. I said, whatever time you make, you you do, you make a commitment. I said, sometimes you share with me, you y'all be on these business, uh, having business meetings, conference calls, two and three o'clock in the morning. But if you say you love God more than business and anything, if you go to bed 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, but you made a commitment at 6, I said, you do whatever it takes to make your, keep your appointment, to make a sacrifice to God. If you say you miss those times with God, it's sacrifice. And then watch what God begin to do with you concerning business and anything else. It's your commitment to him. It's your dedication to him. So it's the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. So what, what, what God does, here's faith, here's goal setting, here's commitment. Goals mean nothing. I don't help so many people set budgets. I don't help so many people uh, uh, set goals and walk out of my office excited. A week later, two weeks later, they're back in the same rut because, you know why? They didn't commit to it. You know what commitment means? Commitment means that you done burnt every bridge and you can't have no way back. That's what commitment. And we live in a, in a world, in a society that is that have no clue what commitment means. And that's why we're weak in our relationship with God because there's no commitment. That's why we're weak in our relationship with one another because there's no commitment. That's no, 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 no true commitment at all. But we want everybody to be committed to us. And there can never be commitment without a level of measure of sacrifice. If you commit to something, to something, then you got to sacrifice something else. If you commit to God, you got to sacrifice something. Your sleep, how you feel, a breakfast somebody invited you to, the same time you made a commitment to God, which one are you going to keep? 
You say, well, I, I, I just rearranged my time with God. You're not committed. You're not committed. You value going to breakfast. You value spending some time with your friends. They're making a commitment to God. Where is our commitment? This wasn't really supposed to be the message today, uh, but uh, uh, my prayer is that you're receiving and getting something, and I know you are because I know this is the Spirit of God, but that's how God uses me. I know he's ministering to you. And so when we begin to understand these things, that's how God trusts us because it's a form of testing us. It's a form of testing us. When you make a commitment, he's going to see where you value your word. I always tell people this all the time. You are, you are only as good as your word. If your word is no good, you ain't no good. You're no good. You're only as good as your word. You and your word is one. And I'm not talking about forgetting something, ladies and gentlemen, talking about, you know, you you talking to somebody, you didn't, you didn't write the thing down on your schedule, and, and uh, you got distracted, and this person, and, and, and if anybody's a pastor, you probably don't experience it, or a business person, owner, you don't experience this, or a parent, you don't experience this. Sometimes you have so many things hitting you at one, one time. But we, even with that, if you and I are 100% led by the Spirit of God, we will never forget and the reason we forget a lot of times is because we are we're trying to deal with things in our own strength. The Holy Ghost don't miss nothing. The Holy Spirit don't forget anything. God don't forget anything. Jesus can't forget anything. They're omniscient. So so it's us. It's on us. So we have to learn how to do these things. But let's look at some things here. Going back to yesterday, I want to uh, some things that I was meditating on before we started this broadcast. Uh, that the Lord began to share with me, uh, uh, highlight to me, uh, uh, illuminate to me why I was sitting here waiting on uh, the start of the broadcast from Romans chapter 8 here. Let's look at some principles here that I think is going to help us even in a greater way. Why God allows suffering. We brought out yesterday from Romans 8.14, for, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. He didn't say they are children of God. The Bible said they are sons of God. We made a distinction yesterday between sons and children. We made a distinction between what? Sons and children. Now, it seems like we have a, a uh, okay, well, we did have somebody that had uh, uh, a question, but maybe they uh, mistakenly hit the, uh, the one button. Okay, so there's a distinction between uh, sons of God and children of God. All of us is children of God. The moment you ask Jesus to come into your life, you become a child of God. But we've been, we have thought that all of us are sons of God. No, uh, everyone is not a son, but everybody's a child. We brought out yesterday the distinction between a son and a child. And we went over to Galatians chapter 4 to let you see that a child uh, is on the tutors and governors. And the Amphite doesn't say tutors and governors, it's administrators and something else. But the King James says tutors and governors during the time appointed by the Father. We shared with you on yesterday that that appointment have nothing to do with chronological age. It have nothing to do with a set time for as in this realm, but it's looking for the development of something. That set time is looking for something to happen for you to be able to respond, you to be able to handle certain particular things. When you handle them, Without you reading the scripture, without you reading the Bible, without you reading the book, without you listening to a tape because of the internal development of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has produced this sonship in you. Now notice what the next verse says. It says, for, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. So, other words, then you and I evidently was in bondage before you and I received the Spirit of God. We were in bondage, and we were fearful. We were slaves to really this realm. That's really what it means. You were slaves to this realm, and you were fearful. You were slaves, and you was in bondage to fear. Why you was not born again? So he says, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more, meaning you used to be in bondage to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, producing sonship. It is said produced sonship, producing, producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. 
Then it goes on to verse 16 says, The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God, not assuring us that we are sons of God, assuring us that we are children of God. Verse 17, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him. But the way you're going to share in his inheritance with him, it goes on to say, only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Now, let's break this down again, if you will. Share the suffering. You mean tell me, uh, uh, Dr. McKenzie, that every born-again believer must experience suffering? No, you don't, you don't have to. It's a choice. You can neglect it. You can run away from it. Uh, you can escape it. You can uh, uh, have somebody to deliver you uh, from it, and you will stay a child all the days of your life. You will stay a child all the days of your life. Now, let me see if this individual here, I uh, have a question here. Uh, area some of the things from happening, like when they try to tell on you and stuff, if it doesn't concern you, Sanaya, stay out of it. Area code 305, it, 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 do, do you have a question? Yeah. You can't get involved in everything and try to make everybody do right. Well, I, I know that person is not listening to the broadcast because they're chastising somebody else <laughs> while we're teaching. Why you all get on here if you all not going to listen to it? Be uh, uh, you know you all not going to reverence the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit and and submit to the Holy Spirit? You 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 are not getting anything. And I guarantee you, I can all I will I will state anything, put anything on the line. That the very thing that the Lord is talking about, that person needs. Guaranteed. But they're allowing themselves to be distracted <clears throat> while the Spirit of God is speaking. So let's look at this, if you will. It says here, uh, assuring us, uh, now going back to, you know what, yeah, verse 17. It says, uh, uh, verse 17, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Sharing his inheritance with him. Only, only we must share his suffering. We must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Now, as I'm kind of meditating before we started this, what is the purpose of suffering? Why will God allow you and I to suffer? Now, if you go back, Scripture usually always interprets itself. Now, let's go back, if you will, to verse 15, and I believe the reason we must first be willing to share in his suffering before we're willing to share in his glory, I believe that suffering is designed for something. It's designed. We know it's designed to elevate you. It's designed to promote you. It is designed for you to receive glory, but it's designed for something else. Verse 15, once again, it says, For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. Let's just stick with that, if you will. I personally believe the thing that God will allow you and I to suffer or when we share in Christ's suffering, I personally believe the suffering is designed to liberate you and I from that which we've been enslaved to in this realm. In this realm. What you've been enslaved to. What I've been enslaved to. What have you in slavery? God will allow you to experience suffering in the thing that have you incarcerated the thing that you enslaved to, he will allow you to experience suffering in that thing for what reason? That you will cease to be dominated by that thing by yielding, submitting, and surrendering to the spirit that you and I now have received, which is the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit now will take the very life of Christ Lead me into the experiencing the life of Christ by experiencing the death 
of the thing that I was a slave to. All suffering then have everything to do with setting me free from that which has mastered me. Anger, uh, love of money, uh, 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 immorality, envy, strife, jealousy, uh, avenging yourself. You're not going to let anybody treat you wrong. You're not going to let anybody talk to you any kind of way. So, therefore, he will put you in those kind of situations over and over and over and over until you come to the place that you're willing to suffer. And the suffering in those kind of situations, ladies and gentlemen, is you have a right to defend yourself, but you refuse to defend yourself. It's hurtful. It's painful. But I'm going to submit and yield to the Holy Spirit so I can be set free from the slavery. And that's all it is, the slavery of defending myself, the slavery of loving money, the slavery of pornography, the slavery of immorality, the slavery of lying, the slavery of um, uh, what? Pride, the slavery of gossip. The slavery of backbiting. So the spirit, going back to verse 15, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. And don't you know every time you protect yourself, it's nothing but a form of fear. Every time you lie, it's a form of fear. When you operate in jealousy and envy and strife, it is a form of fear. It's a form of fear. So what do the Lord does? So the Lord will uh, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into suffering. And the purpose of suffering is to set you free from the slavery of these things that you can experience the glory of Christ. Are you getting this? This is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, this is exactly what the Lord has been doing in your life from the moment you got saved until now, but you have not handled it right. And you stayed a child. How do you stay a child? By protecting yourself, by continuing to lie, to cover up. And so, therefore, you have not experienced sonship. You have not experienced sonship. And so, therefore, you are not liberated. You're still a child, but you're still a slave. You're under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the Father. But because you don't understand why God will allow you to continue to go through what you've been going through, if you think about it, I guarantee you this, everyone that is a part of this broadcast and those that will be listening to this broadcast less later, I guarantee you if you just stop and just allow the Holy Spirit to do a survey of your life, You've been suffering some of the same thing from the time you got saved up to now. If it's 5 years, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, if you have not, if you have not embraced the suffering, and the only way you will embrace the suffering is by you acknowledging this is the Lord. Nothing can happen to me unless the Lord permitted to happen. The Lord is constantly putting me in the same old situation over and over and over and over. Why? Because he wants you to embrace the suffering. For what reason? So you can eventually embrace the glory. But you want to embrace, see, you want the glory by fasting. You want the glory by praying. You want the glory by reading your Bible. You want the glory by uh, uh, entering into certain relationships. No, it don't work that way. Glory only comes as a result. Of suffering and and it is bottom line. What I'm actually saying is is dying, dying to yourself, dying to whatever has have, that that has enslaved you. And the sad thing about the majority of us, we've been going through the same old thing, and we know that, and we lie to us, God got to help me, God got to help me, God got to help me. Do you know how that sound? It sounds stupid. You know why it sounds stupid? 
because ain't nobody ever told you it sounds stupid. God done gave you and I the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. This is not to, to, to uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, uh, uh, to embarrass anyone, to assault anyone, but that's exactly what it is. Proverbs uh, calls it foolishness and stupidity. Proverbs, an amplified version. God got to help me. God got to help me. And when God has given you the helper, what you actually say, and you make yourself look so bad, every time you say, God got to help me, what you just told God, I just denied the Holy Spirit. I just rejected the Holy Spirit, who is my helper. But I'm turning around, God got to help me. That sounds so stupid. God done gave you the helper, but you, you, you rejecting the helper, you reneging on the helper, you refuse to submit to the helper and say, God got to help me, God got to help me. That's why all of us need somebody in our life to shock us, to shake us to sensibility. God got to help me. <laughs> well, we something else, I tell you, God got to help me. But I got the helper, but God got to help me. But anyway, so he allowed me to uh, experience uh, uh, suffering, and the purpose of the suffering is me die, dying to EJ. I refuse to protect myself. I'm not going to protect myself any longer. I'm going to yield to him. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm going to trust him with my spirit, my soul, my heart, my mind. Think about it. You know that every time you protect yourself, you feel so bad afterwards because you sin. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. But you, every time you protect yourself, you're paying back. You're paying somebody back. And then what you're doing, you don't realize it, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're coming against the Holy Spirit. You, you're not doing it willfully. And I don't even believe you're doing it. Um, uh, uh, you're conscious, consciously aware that you're doing it. But that's what you're doing. Because you don't see, it's not about you and that person, it's about you and the Lord, you and the Holy Spirit. So he goes on to say here, now I'm, I'm going to show you why this thing is so beautiful as we, we didn't uh, uh, continue, but watch this right here, verse 18. Uh, we stopped at verse 18, rather. But what of that, for I consider that the sufferings of this present world, of what this present world, this present life, are not worthy being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Now watch this right here. You know why we protect ourselves when somebody comes against us and we're, we're still a slave to this world, a slave to our feelings, a slave to our emotions, a slave to our affection. Excuse me. You know why we're a slave? Because we don't. We don't see the glory. We have not had a glimpse of the glory that awaits you if you submit to the suffering, if you submit to the unjust pain, the undue pain that you, and, um, and think about it. Why do you and I defend ourselves? Because we haven't done anything. Because I didn't do it, that's why I'm going to protect myself. I didn't do it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how it works. The suffering part is not when you uh, did something wrong and you got punished for it. That's not suffering. You expect that. The suffering is when you know you didn't do anything and you got lied on and you keep your mouth closed. You, 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 you wait on God to defend you. You wait on God to protect you. That's suffering, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you die. That's how you die. But if you had a glimpse of the glory, you would go into the reason you defend yourself, protect yourself, is because you never saw the glory. You don't have a glimpse of the glory. And you value the opinions of men more than you do God. God is the one that allowed it. Wasn't the devil. God allowed you to be in that situation because he's trying to prepare you for glory. But every time you defend yourself, you are rejecting the glory because you value this rim. And you're constantly, you don't realize, 
you are a slave. Every time you defend yourself, it reveals you're a slave. Every time you lie, you're a slave. Every time you manipulate, you're a slave. Every time you judge somebody, you're a slave to this realm. These things reveal that you're a slave. But the Spirit of God himself testifies with our spirit, assuring us that we are children of God, but not sons, assuring us that we are children of God. The suffering, when you know you've done right, when you know you told the truth, somebody lied on you, and God said, be quiet. But, Lord, I didn't do that. God said, be quiet. That hurts. I've been in those situations. It hurts. Your flesh, your flesh is hurting. When your flesh is hurting, your flesh is dying. So you're experiencing death from this realm that you can receive the glory of God from his realm. So notice what it says here. You can't even compare the suffering, compare it to the, to the glory that's going to come. The glory is going to outweigh the suffering. But what we don't, we don't want the suffering... We don't want to suffer. We want the glory, but we don't want to suffer. It don't work that way. It does not work that way. So I got to come to the place that God give me a glimpse of the glory. Give me a glimpse of the glory. And many times he does give you a glimpse of the glory, but you forget the glory when somebody cross you. You should get a prophetic word. That's a glimpse of the glory. He spoke to you in morning devotion. That's a glimpse of the glory. Are you listening to a message? That's a glimpse of the glory. It is a glimpse of the glory. And so when there is a glimpse of the glory, well, what happened? You forget about the glory because of what happening, what is happening to you, the pain that you may be experiencing. So you reject the glory to continue to be a slave to this realm by protecting yourself. Are you hearing me, ladies and gentlemen? pray that you're getting something from this. All right. Do we have another caller? I don't know if you guys continue to um, uh, mistakenly press the one button, but they got another individual. Here we go, 305-693. Do you have a question? Yes. Hi. Um, I'm just you. I'm listening to your teaching, Always Dynamic, but I just wanted to um, for you to explain how does that person get into that mindset or understand that the suffering does propel them into a whole other dimension. Okay. Of um, their other relationship with God, because you know, sometimes when you're trying to explain that, um, it's just something that is spiritual and they don't get it. I mean, I know it has to. It, does it include all the prayer and spending time in the Word? And how do they come about? You know, coming, getting to, to that, that place. Point? Yes, that's an excellent question uh, that you ask. Now, ladies and gentlemen, notice what the question is. How do you even come to the place like that? And 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 because uh, it's difficult. Do you get in the word? Do you get in? Your, do you meditate? Do you listening to uh, uh, praise music, worship music? To me, and don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, ladies and gentlemen. To me, some of that stuff. I want to use the word stuff because it's all great and awesome but we use it as a crutch and a cop-out. The greatest men of God, the greatest women of God, Esther did not have a Bible. She didn't have praise music. Uh, uh, Moses didn't. Abraham didn't. David didn't. And look at the suffering that David went through. Undo, unjust. Look at Elijah. Look at Elisha. Look at Joshua. I personally believe that a lot of us have no clue what salvation means. And are we really saved? Have I really given my life to him? And I'll tell you what I mean by that, ladies and gentlemen. If this is a reality and we need, do we have anybody, are you in relationship with anybody that can put their finger on us that we submitted to? that can bring correction to us and rebuke us at any given time, say, so you off track. See, it's sort of like, to me, getting into the Word, 
prayed. I did all that stuff. But I had somebody in my life to put a finger on me. Because even though I'm getting to work, I'm left alone because there's nobody to guide me in that. Bible teaching is good. Bible preaching is good. I'm going to give you an example, a perfect example. I was very skilled, knowledgeable of the Word of God before I got married. And I thought because I knew the Scripture, I was going to be an excellent husband. Two weeks into the marriage, my wife and I got in a confrontation. I was surprised because I knew this Word. See, it's one thing to know the Bible, but it's another thing to know God. See, I knew God in other areas. I didn't know God as a husband because I'd never been a husband before. I knew what the Scripture said, what a man should do, what a woman should do. It's a whole other ball game to have the wisdom to know how to appropriate the Word of God in any given situation, ladies and gentlemen. And I didn't have that. But I, when I missed it, I went back to that same word I knew, how to get myself in alignment and get myself right into that. But when we begin to look at the pattern, the pattern has always been from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, that's been the pattern. God took men through a process of death for life to be experienced. David, watch this right here. David, why did God allow David, a soul, to chase David? Now, the, David experienced God. Remember the lion and the bear? He experienced God. So he came and told Saul, the lion and the bear, I said, listen, I'll go cut this, uh, the head of this uncircumcised giant. He killed him. Praise went up. David killed his 10,000. Saul killed his thousands. After Saul heard it, he started pursuing David until the day that he died. Why would God allow David to go through that? He proved that he believed God and trust God by keeping his daddy's sheep. You know why, ladies and gentlemen? Many times when God uses us in great exploits, pride will start developing. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He killed the lion. I'm somebody. Then if you're somebody, I'm going to see, can you be somebody? Well, I'm going to cause somebody to chase you, to try to kill you, even when you have not done anything to the person. What was David's attitude? That's how you grow. That's how you process. That's how you're developed. That's how you become a man of God. That's how you become a woman of God. You can tell me. And you can tell yourself, you can tell God and you tell the devil, I believe God. I trust God. I love God. Anybody can do that when there's no pressure. Anybody can do that when there's nobody chasing them. When you have not done one single thing. Two times, those of you that know the word of the Lord, two times, Saul almost caught David. Two times. God delivered Saul into his hand. This is what God would do. God, this is how you know you're a man of God. You have developed from childhood to sonship or adulthood. God delivered the king who God anointed. And think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If we believe that God is omnipotent and omniscient, that we know he knows tomorrow, before tomorrow takes place, did God know what Saul, what kind of man Saul would eventually become? Did not God know that? And so here God delivers Saul into David's hand while he was in the cave. This is how you become a know you're a man of God, a woman of God. And what did his men say? God has delivered your enemies into your hands. Go ahead and kill him. You know the story. He cut a piece of his robe off. And what happened? The Bible said the Holy Spirit smoked his heart. He turned to his men and said, I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. And who can touch the Lord's anointed and be and, 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 and be guiltless? Wait a minute. This man trying to kill you. Yeah, he's trying to kill me, but he's still God's anointed. The anointing oil hit this man's head. He'd been sanctified and separated. But he, this, this man is demon-possessed. He may be demon-possessed, 
but he's God's anointed. And you see why the, 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 why the church is so weak today? Because there is no reverential fear of God with the men and women of God today. You say, but all this stuff that is going on with the body of Christ and, and all these people, but, 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 but he did not put that into your hands to judge them, nor me. David is the perfect example of how to handle it. The Lord killed David, I'm mean, uh, Saul. God allowed Saul and Jonathan to die in battle. The scripture let us know God killed them in battle by allowing his enemies to kill him. And David was elevated to the throne and was considered from that day to even here it is, 2013, in the history of Israel, David is considered the greatest king Israel ever, ever, ever had. The book of Revelation talk about the churches, the uh, 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 the seven churches, and then the Philadelphia church. What do the Bible say about David? Jesus holds the key of David, not the key of Solomon, not the key of any. Why? Because he trusted God. He believed God. He did not defend himself. He did not protect himself. God became his protector. God became his shield. He let God fight his battles with Saul, but he never touched David. I'm going to say Saul. Ladies and gentlemen, and then everybody look at this. It's not fair. David didn't do anything to Saul. He didn't do anything to Saul. Did God know that? Absolutely. But why would God allow that to happen? Because God was processing him. He was making him out of what God anointed him to be. You're not a king because anointing hit you. You are a king by being one inwardly, not one outwardly. I kind of hope that uh, answered your question because uh, if you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want you all to do do something. I want to probably teach on this one of these uh, uh, radio programs. I want to teach on the word instruction. I want you to go through the book of Proverbs. And when the book of Proverbs talks about instruction, usually the word instruction Discipline, correction, and rebuke is synonymous in the book of Proverbs. The Bible says he who hates rebuke hates his own soul. Paraphrase, not says it. God was correcting him. God was rebuking him. God was purging out of David in account of self-dependence. He was purging out of him. So David suffered greatly. Oh, but did he not experience the glory greatly, even to the point that David's name still echoes thousands and thousands of years later. And Jesus talks about David. Jesus came through the lineage of David. But did not David had to suffer before he began to experience the greater love of glory? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is how it worked, ladies and gentlemen. But why is that? But let me show you something. Let me show you. I, I need to finish this up today. I hope that answered uh, our radio audience question. If anybody ever ha else have a question, you can go ahead and press your uh, number one button, uh, and uh, uh, we'll get with you. Uh, if you do this for me, I got several uh, people that has pressed number one. If you can... If you can take that off, because I don't know which one is who really have a question, but all of those that have pressed one, just turn it off, if you will, and then turn it back on if you have a question, because I uh, see a couple of people that have the same, that's been up there for a while, and they did not have a question that tuned in. Tuned in. I really appreciate that. Uh, let's, let's break this down, if you will. Let me, let's break it down. This is This is beautiful, because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, to suffer and to trust. I was going somewhere about being born again. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I mean by born, born again, about salvation. And some of the people may get offended with me when I make these, these statements. 
Think about it. See, we, I still think we don't have the fundamentals down pat. We don't have the fundamentals down pat. And uh, as a young lady was asking a question about, I can you share something like this with somebody, and, and you know, and, and uh, 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 about the suffering thing and try to help them understand, that's all of us. All of us need to understand this thing. But if we really, really understood salvation, if we really understood it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be questioning anything about going through anything, suffering. We would never question anything. The majority of people, I want to say majority, but many people have no clue. They have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they have no clue what it is. They have not experienced salvation. They just made a confession but have not experienced it. And that's why there's a great struggle because we have the wrong mentality of what salvation is. We think well, if I'm saved, I shouldn't go through anything. But every person we see that God ever done anything with, do a study on the lives of the 12 apostles, what kind of death they, they experienced. Majority, every last one of them experienced a cruel death. Why would he allow that to happen? Because right now, while you and I is in this world right now, and I'm communicating to you on this radio broadcast, there is 12 thrones that those 12 men is sitting on right now in heaven. Twelve thrones. You're not going to be on no twelve throne, one of those twelve thrones. I'm not going to be one of those twelve thrones. But they paid a dear price. They didn't forsake Jesus. Peter was crucified upside down. Uh, Paul was beheaded. Uh, James was killed by Herod. Uh, John is the only one that I, 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 I'm not mistaken that did not die a brutal death like that, but he was boiled in oil alive and left on the Isle of Patmos to die. And I'm not saying, watch this right here, only in America, ladies and gentlemen, we're enjoying such privileges of to be able to preach, teach the gospel without being persecuted. And I believe a lot of this is going to come to an end according to the word of the Lord. But let's, let's close this out. Let's go see why, why. So we see here in, in verse 18 it says that the, the glory is not even compared. The suffering is not even compared concerning the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Now, watch this right here. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Then it keeps on. Always remember, Scripture interprets itself. Verse 19 says, For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's who? Sons. It didn't say God's children. It didn't say God's children. It said God's sons. The, for even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Who's waiting? creation then why can't creation get set free because we got more children than we do sons a son is one that has been set free a son is what a son is one that's been set free remember 15 for the spirit uh, excuse me for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery so, it's not a spirit of slavery. Is creation in slavery? Well, what I just read, according to that, is waiting to be set free. Then why is creation is, uh, is, is enslaved? Because God's children is enslaved. Born again, but still enslaved. Have not reached sonship yet. Have not developed the sonship yet. But why haven't the children developed a sonship? Because we refuse to uh, submit, yield, and surrender to the Holy Spirit because we love ourselves more than we love God. We're protecting ourselves and don't understand every time you protect yourself, you send yourself back. You are cutting yourself off from experiencing sonship. You are cutting yourself off from experiencing liberation from this slavery, this thing that's been, that's been dominating me all my life. What's been dominating you all your life? You have an issue with authority. You know why you have an issue with authority? Because you was abused and misused when you was a child from your parents, and you view all authorities that way. So when correction comes, 
you you look at reject uh, correction as rejection. That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. So here we see in the word of the Lord, creation itself is waiting to be set free. You mean to tell me we can set free? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Look at it, ladies and gentlemen. Every time, why did God destroy uh, uh, the um, humanity in the days of Noah? Because sin had filled the earth. The earth was in bondage and got to come down and destroy it. Notice what suffers when man sin. The earth always pays the price when man sin. When Adam sinned, what did God do? Curse what? The earth. He cursed the ground that man came from or his body. Are you, are you seeing this? And so the beauty of the suffering, ladies and gentlemen, the beauty of suffering is not the suffering itself. It's the glory that's, that suffering is going to produce if I have the right attitude, the right mindset, the right disposition. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. So, so you don't realize and understand the glory is not about you. The glory is about you and I being an instrument and a channel of setting the earth free. Why is there hurricanes of mass destruction? Why is there tornadoes of mass destruction? Are, are you hearing me? Why is there earthquakes of mass destruction? In every one of these places, there's Christians. Where there's been tremendous destruction, there's been Christians. Why did not, why there wasn't a Christian to set the creation free? Because a child cannot set the creation free. Only a son can. The Bible says here, notice what it says. For even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's son. Not God's children. For who? God's sons. God's sons to be made known. Waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. What is he saying? He's saying here that when you and I become sons, because we've been set free from the slavery, so therefore we have grown from children to sons. And now why God wants us to become sons? Not only to just share in his glory, but to liberate his creation. That has been under the bondage and the influence of sin and Satan and his cohorts. That means when destruction is about to come, you and I can stand up and speak and say, I call you redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I command you to take your hands off of God's creation. I speak to the sea. And I call the sea redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I speak to the air. Oh, my goodness, I didn't even know my time had went over. Glory to God. I'm three minutes over. Didn't even realize it. But I speak to the air, and I bring you subject to the Lordship of Christ, the influence of Christ. You're setting creation free. But a child can't do that. Only a son. A son gives glory to his father. But a child is selfish, and a child looks for glory for themselves. A child is, a child is selfish and self-centered and self-righteous and self-reliant. A child is, is, wants to be acknowledged, wants to be seen. A child, but a true son, a son that is mature, a son, a person that's become a son from childhood to sonship, they live for their father. They live for the glory of the father. And maybe that's why we're not seeing the greater things because we have more children than we do sons. And the ultimate is to set God's creation free. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. And we are, you and I are responsible. Say, I got authority, I got a power. As a what, child or as a son? Ladies and gentlemen, I pray, and I know you have, I pray that the Lord has ministered to you in a very special way. We cannot set up our families free because we've got children 
that is trying to set families free and not sons that have the power and authority to set families free. Let us be let's uh, uh, let's allow the Spirit of God to lead us into sonship. Let us grow up. Let us mature. Let us develop. Let us and see. Even if we get offended, it reveals we are children. We still children. We are not sons because we don't believe that God is really orchestrating our very life. Join us the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the month for a time of prayer and fasting. We don't have to fast, but a time of prayer, 5.30 a.m. Tell your family and friends to come join with us and be with us on the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I thank God for you joining with us today. Uh, tomorrow at uh, noon, at 1 o'clock, rather, we will be with you teaching the areas of relationship. Uh, if you can't make it, join, uh, join the archives. Uh, tell you if you can join us on your lunch break, we really appreciate it. Uh, we always thoroughly enjoy you. We do continue to solicit your prayers, pray for us, war for us, battle for us, as we do the same for you. This has been your host, Dr. Jim McKenzie, with the Master Key. Let the rest of your evening be blessed, and we pray that you have a sweet sleep in your dreams and visions induced by the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. Mm-hmm.